ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scottish Plans Podcast. I'm Clint Edwards, your host, and I'm excited to dive into what we've got today. As you know, this is episode 43, the reading list and the roses of Kilrock. Before I get to the reading list and the roses of Kilrock, I am going to go through some of my um, comments. Once again, I'm drawing sp- specifically from the Podbean, uh, either Podbean.com or the Podbean app, whichever you. It's I actually have to manage the comments through the app instead of the website. The website refers me back to the app. Also, Apple Podcasts to a review that I've some that somebody's left there, and then. I'm going to go do some of the Facebook comments. And then I'm going to talk about some other things I heard. All right, so the, the main one on the Podbean app comes from a gentleman named Glenn Lyon Campbell, which is interesting. So Glenn Lyon is a... So Loch Tay is, a, is an area where some of the Campbells... Well, the McGregors went in first, occupied this glen that comes off of the, it shoots back into the mountains. It, it runs pretty east-west. Loch Tay slants away to the southwest. And so this, this glen, Glen Lyon, goes away from that top of the top of, like if you're looking at it from a map, the top, the northeast corner of the loch. And so Glen Lyon goes back in there. And so I just think that's interesting. His name is actually Glen Lyon Campbell. Anyway, he listens. I'm going to read to you his his comment that he left for me on Podbean. He said, "I listened to the three Scottish clan podcasts about the Campbells yesterday. Well done!" Exclamation point. I'm a descendant of the Campbells of Glen Lyon, descended from the and descended from the Campbells of Glen Orkey. I have done numerous DNA tests. I'm not paternally related to the Argyle Campbells, according to my Y tests. I think in the Campbell DNA project. There are more than 100 separate Campbells. Now I'm just going to pause on the on the response right here. So the Y the Y DNA test. In case you're not familiar with the DNA testing, you have the Y chromosome test, which will show you a what genetic marker you have that's passed from father to son, father to son, father to son down the male line. But that's all it shows you. It doesn't show you a huge cross section of your DNA. Now on the other hand, you have mitochondrial DNA. Sometimes you see it abbreviated with an MT DNA. Mitochondrial DNA is the mother's line. So you can look, my understanding, and you guys can, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding is a male can look at his mitochondrial DNA back through his mother's side, but he will not pass that down to any of his kids. His wife will, or whoever's the mother of his children. She will pass that mitochondrial DNA down. So I can look back to my mom and through her mom, and I can see that back from me, but my kids, like I can't see my dad's mitochondrial DNA. That's a mother-to-daughter, mother-to-daughter, mother-to-daughter type of deal. And then there's autosomal DNA, which is the DNA test that I had done a while ago through ancestry. Yes, yes, through ancestry. There's a lot out there, but I did mine through ancestry. Anyway, so when he says, when Glenn Lyon Campbell says, I did my Y tests, and that's what he's referring to, his patriarchal line back through father to son, father to son. Okay, continuing with his response, he says the Campbell DNA project associated with family tree DNA has more than 100 separate groups of Campbells not genetically related to each other 
in any significant time frame. I suppose there are many reasons for this. I've extensively researched my family tree with documented proof going back 300 years. There is much evidence from there connecting back to the Campbells of Glenorchy. I live in Campbell River, Canada, and my name is Glen Lyon Campbell. By the way, his Podbean handle is JMKD6N. That's Juliet Mike Kilo, Delta 6 November. All right, so his name is Glen Lyon Campbell. Continuing, you probably know the Glencoe Massacre was not part of clan war between the Campbells and McDonald's. It was initiated by King William III as punishment for the McDonald's being late signing an oath of allegiance to the king. If I'm not mistaken, of the 120 soldiers at Glencoe, only six were Campbells. The McDonald's had looted Glen Lyon the year before, stealing all of the livestock. Historically, the McGregors and Sinclairs had far more reason to dislike the Campbells of Glen Lyon. At Lord Mar's revolt in 1714 and again at Culloden in 1746, the Campbells of Glen Lyon fought alongside the McDonald's, taking up the Jacobite cause against their English oppressors. Okay, so I'm going to come back to that little note on history, but thank you, Glen Lyon Campbell, for that response on Podbean. Now I'm going to switch over to Apple Podcasts. So this is a different... So this person, I'm going to go back to Clara Wadsworth. In the last episode, I actually shared a story that she left on the Facebook page, but I'm just going to read her Apple podcast review, which is a very legitimate way to, to make comments and, and leave feedback for this podcast. She says, I've always been interested in Scotland. I have Irish ancestors, but have always loved Scotland more. I started listening to this podcast when there was only seven episodes and spent a lot of time listening. Pause real quick in the reading of this. Clara, thank you. That's awesome. I appreciate your, your support and your, your involvement in this effort here. Okay, continuing. Because I listened to this podcast, my husband and I started talking about Scotland, and he has so many Scottish ancestors. Super interested and love your podcast. So glad someone else out there wants to have this conversation with me because I'm obsessed with Scotland. In fact, that's what she titled her, her review on Apple Podcasts was obsessed with Scotland. So, Clara, thank you not only for your engagement on the pod, the Apple Podcasts reviews, but also on the Facebook. And I hope you like the fact that I shared your your input in the last in the last episode. All right, so we're switching gears over to the Facebook page. Now, keep in mind, there may been a, have been a lot of you that commented on the various Facebook pages that I share this podcast out with when I come out with different episodes. However, if you, I'm, I'm sticking like I instructed last episode, I'm just for simplicity stakes, sakes, if you want me to share your response and your engagement with the podcast and you want me to actually include it in an episode like I'm doing, then I recommend you go over to the actual Scottish Clans Facebook page and message me on that. And that's the way to get that done because it's just too many Facebook pages to chase down all the comments. So... Let me go to the Scottish Clans Facebook page, and I'm going to start, I'm going to go chronologically. I'm going to start off with a short response left by Zola Denio. I, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce that right, but Zola says, Stumbled on your podcast, enjoyed the Macintosh, number 27, parentheses, my clan. I researched my ancestors and appreciate your knowledge. Thank you. Well, thank you, Zola. Appreciate you reaching out like that. Okay, now I'm going to Jeremy Leonard. Jeremy 
says, hey, I just found your podcast and really enjoy it. I found it because I'm doing research on my family history after doing a DNA test from Ancestry DNA. I do have a question for you. I've been able to find Ancestry in Ireland, but also have Scottish ethnicity listed in the results from the DNA testing. In the, re in the research I've done, I've found a link from the Leonard surname to the clan MacLennan. I've, I'm relatively new to this type of research and was wondering if you had any pointers on how to find more info or even how to confirm how solid that link is. Thanks for your time. All right, Jeremy, that's a great question and it's something you should be concerned about and I'm glad you are because here's the deal. And this is one thing that's led me to the creation of this podcast and my interest in these things. Because back in the 1800s, I think it was when Queen Victoria started to get nuts about anything that was Scottish, specifically Highland. Now, now it's in vogue because the Jacobite rebellion was far enough in the rear view that nobody's thinking of the clans rising up again as a serious threat. So that's... Everybody's kind of calmed down about that and we can now now the royal family thinks it's cool and now it's cool because the dominant people, the, the very top of the um, socio-political economic circles think it's cool. So that's definitely going to have some major, major trickle-down effect on the rest of society. Okay, so everybody else wants to think it's cool now too. So there are people, entrepreneurial-minded people who think I can, I can capitalize on this and so now we have people creating books and putting out there that, hey, and they're, they're saying, everybody in Scotland, you're part of a clan. And, hey, here's what your tartan was. And if you've got this surname, you're attached to this. But you know what? In some cases, they were right that this surname actually was no kidding. People with that surname occupied land that was controlled by this, major this other major clan. Let's say the Grants, okay? Let's say you have the Grants of Strathspey. That's not their title. It's the Grants of Frookie. But so that, that's the control. The, they, they held territory in lower, like downstream Strathspey. Uh, quite a big chunk of it. All right. Now, not everybody that lived on that land was a grant. That's, they just controlled all that territory. Okay. So there's people living in there who's, and I'm just making this up now. Their last name might have been Smith. And all of a sudden, they're going to include in these books they're putting out, hey, if your last name is Smith, you may be connected to the Grants. Well, holy cow, how many people's last name was Smith, first of all? Or some Gallic version of it, like Gobin or Gowan or Goings or Goen. Or there, there's, there's a lot of different versions of that, that name. Okay, so does that automatically mean no matter no matter what, you're, if you have that last name, you're tied to the grants and now you need to wear their tartan. Well, you know what? If you thought so and you went out and bought a kilt in the grant tartan, then yes, that worked for these guys. That, that's exactly what they're trying to accomplish. Does that necessarily mean anything or have any bearing on the reality of your family tree? Not necessarily. So all I can say, Jeremy, is it's got, I would just find where in Scotland did your ancestors come, come out of? If you can trace it back to a part of Scotland that was actually controlled by the MacLennans, then I would say, yeah, there's something to that, and I would pursue that farther. If it's a completely different part of Scotland, is the farthest back you can tra trace the, the Leonard surname in your family tree, then, then maybe I would want to hold off on that assumption, okay? I'm not saying discount it because people moved more than sometimes we think they did. And so you have 
to, to use a different clan as an example this time, you might have a, somebody whose last name is Ross, and they're actually descended from the clan Ross, who once upon a time held the earldom of Ross. It changed hands a lot of times after them, but then they still had this kindred named Ross, and that's in the northern Scotland, up north of Inverness. Well, just because your branch of the family comes out of Glasgow, and that's so far south, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're not connected to them because people did move around. Or maybe they come out of Aberdeen. I don't know. Pursue it, Jeremy. That's all my... Uh, don't assume it because somebody says, hey, the Leonards are connected with the McLennans. Well, maybe maybe they were, maybe they won't, weren't. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, or maybe some of them were and not all of them were. So thank you for being skeptical or, or maybe hesitant to jump on that. I think you had the right approach there. And that's... That's where I would take it from there, is just dive into it further, see where you can get actual documentary evidence of them coming from, and if it's in the ballpark, then you might be onto something solid there. Thanks for your response, Jeremy. Moving on to Claudia Wilson Howard. Um, and by the way, when I'm reading these, I'm going to, if it looks like you're getting to a lot of like personal genealogy stuff, I'll probably skip parts of that. So, and I'm not saying that that's at all true about Claudia here. She says, Hello, we have been listening to your podcast and really enjoy them. So far, however, we have been waiting to hear about our clans, McPherson and Graham. Hopefully somewhere you will do so. I did listen to the Clan Hatton, but felt that McPherson has great history of its own. I told her I think you're right. And then she continues, there is a huge group of us, McPherson, in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and Scotland that would love to hear your thoughts about our clan. Claudia, totally legit. So just so you know, I've got a running list of recommendations on clans that people want to hear about. So, so far on my list of clans, I have the Grants, McThomas, Leslie, Rutledge, Donaghy, which I did one on them. So I should actually mark them in a way that I can see that I did answer that. The clan Donaghy, that was in my Robertsons of Struan podcast. To continue, Graham, Rose, McVerich, and McPherson. So I... There you have it. They're right in there. I included it. Now, have is there any rhyme or reason to which ones I'm going after here? There is not. In fact, just like you see in the title, today we're going to hit on the on the clan Rose for a minute. It's not going to be terribly long, but we're going to get to them. And they're way down on the list. It just so happened, though, that after one of my more recent podcasts, I had two people completely unrelated recommend I do something on the roses and so it's just right there at the top of my head and I went for it now the McVerich recommendation let me tell you that they were so they were back if you go back I do mention them does that mean that I don't think they they deserve their their own podcast no it doesn't mean that but I did mention I believe I mentioned the McVerichs back in the um, clan one of the I did a couple of episodes on the clan structure topic and and I talked about learned kindreds, kindreds who were either they were professional bards or poets or historians. They belonged to that group or they were particular in a trade like they were physicians or they were sculptors or <coughs> excuse me, something like that. And I do think I mentioned McVerick's in there. But like, like this recommendation for the McPherson's, just because I mentioned them in a previous podcast does not mean I write them off like, all right, I hit them, I can go on, I'm not going to worry about it. No, definitely 
we could we could visit some of those more professional kindreds in more detail and just the whole concept of professional kindreds we could dive into further and yes the mcphersons of their own completely separate from clan Hatton, we could probably develop a very solid episode on the mcphersons in their own right so i have not written that off so just know that your your clan is on the list and by the way i'm taking it as a huge compliment that it, for me i'm this is saying that you're doing well enough with these with this podcast that we would want you to talk about our per- particular ancestors because if you guys didn't like what you're hearing then you wouldn't want me to talk about it so so i'm going to take that as a compliment thank you and yes I do look at this. Yes, it does have a bearing on how I decide future podcasts. But no, it is not the single factor that I use to decide what I'm going to talk about in the next episode. Sometimes, I like the, the well, so where it was a, a, a factor was the, the three series on the Campbells. In that case, it wasn't somebody who contacted me through one of these three platforms. It was somebody I knew in person, and he said, hey, I just love to get that straightened all, all straightened out, and so I I, I did that. I, I went, took his um, his request, and I and I did it. Sometimes I got my own little pet project that I'm working on, and I'll go with it. So, but just so you know, it's it's on the list. Next is Condi. I think that's Condi Zurich, and they start off with a little with a little Gallic here, which is kind of cool. But also, um, there's a bunch of stuff here in. It's either German or Dutch, and I don't. I'm, I'm thinking it's German. I, I've learned a little bit of German, but I haven't learned enough of Dutch to tell you exactly this. So, you know what? I don't even know. I don't even know what. Where I, I'll try. Du kannst Facebook zurzeit nicht verwenden, verwenden deine angerechten Informationen werden aktuell überprüft die Sicherheit unserer Community liegt uns am Herzen daher kannst du Facebook bis dahin nicht verwenden and then there's a, a thumbs up which I I think is a reference to the podcast and then and then a little of uh, of Gallic in here benachten wobaren Nazurich Eichenau, or I think that's, anyway, so there's a little German and Gallic mixed in there. So, hey, Condi Zurich, thank you. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Two more. William Jordanger. Here's what William says. Hey, Clint, just wanted to drop a line, tell you I'm glad I found your podcast. You're doing an excellent job with your content, especially use of scholarly sources. As a member of the Seattle Scottish Highland Games Association, the Clan Thompson Society, and a general history buff, I find your mix of stories and information a welcome departure of the usual suspects of information sources on the clans. Yes, William, that's one of the reasons I did this. After listening through all of your episodes over the last month, holy cow, thank you, William, good job. I would like to point out one oversight. Oh, yeah, I was... I remember this comment and I was excited to get to this. In your podcast on the clans of Galloway, you talked about the Balials but glossed over the, the, the fact that 
John Balliol was indeed crowned king in 1292 and reigned for four years. The Bruce gets a lot of attention, and he should as an important king, but the period is so fascinating that missing the fact that he was not the first to be crowned after the great cause just didn't feel right to me. Just thought I would sh uh, shed some light on that particular topic. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to listening to more episodes. Uh, that's, that is awesome, William. Thank you. Look, guys, I have zero... I, I just... I, I, the more that you study any one particular subject, the more questions pop up, and you just realize how little you know. So I... Rather than being like all crazy about people maybe saying, hey, I, I really think, thought you should hit on this better, or hey, actually this happened. And, and as long as you're doing it in a kind way, uh, I, I welcome your feedback. And yes, absolutely remind us of something that John Balliol, uh, and, and also, if you go back to that, pod, that episode, the Balliols were a Galloway kindred that were very tied into the, the old Gallic kindreds of Galloway. So, so yes, thank you, William, for pointing that out. I told him I, I'll share that in my next episode. Thanks. He said, sure thing. I forgot to mention one other thing. Family Search is indeed free for anyone. I am not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but do have an account with them and Ancestry. Thank you, William. Good confirmation, because I've had so many listeners give feedback and say, hey, I'm working on this line. Hey, I'm working on here. What do you think I should do? And and I haven't responded to all of them, I don't think, very well. But that is one thing I said. I think it's available for people who are not members of, of, of our faith. Uh, but I can't, I'm not going from that angle because I am and I can use my own membership and, and have it all that way. And so I needed somebody else to do that, William. So you confirming that I think is helpful for the listeners in general. And that's why I'm reading listener feedback. It's, I'm starting to do that more and more beginning of my episodes. All right, one more listener feedback. Hey, Clint, I've been listening to your podcast as I drive between my isolated rural town, Bambala, to Canberra. Canberra. So, pause on the reading of this. I believe that those are Australian towns, and I, I think that Gillian Forrester, who is, so Gillian, I'm sorry if it's actually Gillian Forrester, and so thank you for reading this, and she, I believe she does confirm that later. So, to continue, it's a two-hour drive, so I get to hear many podcasts in the four-hour round trip. I download as many as I can before I leave as I don't have reception for half of the journey. I listen to this as I re Hey, first of all, Gillian, Jillian, look, I totally get it because I, I told everybody in the last episode that I just moved and look, I, I get the whole no reception things. There's parts of no matter which direction I drove, there's part stretches of no cell phone reception, so no streaming cell data to listen to stuff. So I, I sympathize with you there. To continue, I listen to this as I research my McGillivray ancestry and prepare for a clan gathering in Inverness in July 2020. Um, my husband and I are taking our wee family to see, and so she goes on to talk about some vacation plans there. Um, talking about her dad a little bit. Like I said, if it's if it's like very specific personal family stuff, I'll probably skip over some of that. Um, so to continue, your podcasts are sending me deep into this into the history and landscape of Scotland. And I'm very appreciative to have this addition to my preparation. There are many landmarks that I'll be able to connect with on our travels. Thanks for straightening up 
some concepts for me. I didn't realize there was such a Scandinavian influence and also that the map of clan territories was so fluid over time. We currently have a Norwegian exchange student, so she is learning about the Vikings in Scotland too. Well, that's pretty exciting. I can't say I really connect with the Scottish culture, uh, history and culture as it's something that's not been a part of our family experience here in Australia, but it's something that has fascinated me from my early teens and I've yearned to know more about it. I can't put my finger on why. And then, just scrolling down here, thanks for taking the time and making a tremendous effort to create this podcast that's been most enjoyable, evocative, and helpful, Gillian Forrester from, and she puts in parentheses, McGill of Race connections to the McGill of race. So Gillian, Jillian, sorry, whichever one I'm ruining that for you. Um, I sure appreciate that, that feedback though. That's awesome. And also one thing I just want to make a mention of on here. Oh, what was it? There's something back in there that like, I'm definitely going back and, and talking about that here. I don't know if it was the fact that those clan territories were so fluent or fl I mean fluid um, Scandinavian influence was, yes, that was a big deal. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. Thank Jillian Forrester. Thank you. Now let me, now let me drive on from, from the actual responses on these three platforms, Podbean, Apple podcasts and, and Facebook, the Scottish clans, Facebook page. Let me move on to something that happened after the last podcast. Um, that's, that was on one of the separate Facebook pages. I put, don't be a hater on there. I, I think I think the way I phrased that is, hey, hey, look, don't don't hate the Campbell, the Campbells, don't hate them. There's no haters in heaven. Just let it go. And I got, I got some crap from that. In fact, one person, I'm not even gonna mention who it was or even what Facebook page it was on, comes back with something that kind of, and you know what? It's we on this, on these social media platforms, we read tones of voice in there, and it kind of sounded snotty to me. Said, well. Yeah, because you know, don't be a hater. You can. It's easy for for you to say because it wasn't your family that was they were trying to wipe out. Okay, let's pause on that for a second. I don't know if anybody in the country knows anything about Latter Day Saint history, but I don't know very many groups of people that had a full blown extermination order issued against them. Now, hey, look, I'm not claiming that those Latter Day Saints were completely guiltless in this. There's two sides to every story, but I am saying that they were the subject of severe persecution, moved from place to, uh, chased out of place to place to place. They were, they came from Ohio, uh, Kirk, Kirk, Kirtland, Ohio, settled in Missouri. They're in two different places within the state of Missouri. They were driven out of at least two or three different locations. There, settled in Nauvoo. That they built Nauvoo, Illinois, out of a swamp made it a beautiful place and then were eventually had their their leader joseph smith was murdered and then when they saw that that didn't kill off the church the enemies continued to ramp up the persecution and that's when we pushed out across the plains and settled in utah so i do have family history that was the subject of severe persecution severe persecution and i don't i just don't feel like hating the people who did that. Yeah, when I read the history of it and read some of the things that happened, it does stir my blood. It does. But I don't hate Missourians today, not even the ones who are actually descended from the ones who did that. I, I don't hate them. And I, 
And I think the people who did that back in the time period were despicable. But I th and I think that's what I'm talking about when I say don't hate the Campbells. Just let it go. Now, I do think there's some really interesting feedback in there. I had Neil King. who Neil King has been has input in this. And I don't have his quote right here because it was on one of those other pages. But at, he's an actual Scot. And he had some other people back him up. Neil has been contributing comments in this podcast for a long time now and I appreciate his feedback but he jumped in on this and he said he said look the only people who get in to those clan feuds and like still want to have grudges and stuff are Americans or and I may, that might be true for I don't know Canadians or Australians but maybe it's just people in the United States he says guess the Scots have let that stuff go a long time ago and you just need to let it go too. And definitely, and there was another, there was another comment in there where they used some foul language. And he said, definitely does not call for foul language. So Neil, Mr. King, thank you for backing me up on that. And I, look guys, holding on to hate, I don't think in the history of humankind has ever once made anybody happy, ever. And I've got, like life is too short for me personally to do things that don't make me happy. Life will force on you enough things that don't make you happy to use my own choice which that it is a choice by the way we are not objects to be acted upon we are agents to act right also being a, a uh, espousing yourself as a victim saying I am just an object to be kicked down the road and acted upon by external influences with no agency of my own I also don't think that produces happiness so I rather view myself as an agent to act rather than an object to be acted upon and so I'm just gonna choose, make a decision not to hold on to hate, no matter what somebody did to me, my family, my ancestors, because I did have ancestors in those Missouri persecutions and Nauvoo and all that. Um, I just, it just doesn't make me happy to hold on to that stuff. It's just, it's not how I wanna live my life. And I, and I will encourage the same for anybody else. And no, I'm not getting super religious about this. It just, it's practical. It just doesn't make me happy. Anyway, so, I just thought I'd make a mention of that. So let's. So the, the main thrust of today's episode is a reading list, which you I, you can expect to see up on Facebook, if not immediately after this podcast, because my family's got some stuff going on that I want to join them in here right now. I think they're, they're getting a movie going, and I want to jump in with my wife and my kids on that, even if it's some little kid movie that I don't even care about. It's just, I just love that time with my, my wife and my kids. So... Um, and this is actually, when I give you this reading list, it, this is in response to a request. And it was so long ago, and I don't remember what, I, I don't remember who. So sorry if you're the one that, that said, hey, can we get a reading list up on the Facebook page? Absolutely. So this is a start to it, and we're going to add to it as we go. And so if it's, if it's not on the Facebook page immediately after this you listen to this episode, I apologize. It'll be up there soon. But like I said, I've got some other stuff I want to get into. Oh, um, before I get to that, though, there were some honorable mention type things, things I did not get to at the end of the last episode. Glenn Lyon Campbell mentioned one of those things, that there were that all of the Campbells were not uniform. So if you, are do, if you do choose the hate route and you're going to hold it against them, keep in mind that there were, as we mentioned before, there's a lot of Campbell branches and they were not uniform in, in their approach to life. Some of... I'll just like give you an example of what I'm getting into here in a second. So the McGlassrick Campbells 
Once again, I'm pulling this information from the Klein Campbell Society of North America um, webpage, which is cssna.org. The McGlastrick Campbells were bodyguards to the McDonald's of Kepik in the 16th and 17th centuries, also acting on occasion as foster parents to the children of the chief. So there's a, there's, that's an interesting association. And then after the massacre of Glencoe, because a lot of people, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, after I posted that podcast, that last, last episode and told people not to be haters, you wouldn't believe how many people threw at me, oh yeah, massacre of Glencoe, like I've never heard of the massacre of Glencoe. Like that in all of the last several years of studying Scottish history, that one just completely escaped me. Holy cow, give me some ever-loving credit, guys. Okay, so let's talk about the massacre of Glencoe for a second. <laughs> As though previous transgressions justify hate. So, Glenn Lyon Campbell was getting to this in his Podbean comment there. So, let's talk about that. So, they were government troops. They were, they were on government orders. This had to go higher than the Campbells, if there was such a thing at this time period. And, and look, I'm not meaning to go into the history of Glencoe Massacre. I'm, I'm not, you can look up the Wikipedia article and just get a broad understanding of that one. And you can then dive into it as deep as you want after that. So the Massacre of Glencoe, government troops. Okay, and Glenline Campbell said that there's only about six of them were Campbells. I haven't, I haven't confirmed that, whether that number is accurate or not. But they're, they're the, whole, the whole group, it wasn't like the government went to the Campbells and said, hey, we want you to take care of some folks. Now, was there a discussion between Campbell leadership and the government? Maybe. And once again, I have not made this like a scholarly in-depth thing, but I have read about it. I have watched some videos on it, and I do know a couple things about it. So yes, there, there were a few Campbells involved. Now, to be fair to the other side of the argument here, those few Campbells were in leadership positions. They were non-commissioned officers and officers, leaders over this government, this um, contingent of government troops. Okay, so yeah, so then you're like, well, okay, the Campbell influence might be a little bit stronger here in this act. So maybe we do start pinning it on Campbells. Maybe there was some Campbell, like discussion between Campbell and the government saying, hey, hey, we'll take care of this. They just stole cattle from us recently. We need to teach them a lesson. Yes, we need to do something about this aged Campbell. I'm not gonna go into the backstory about how this guy missed the signing of allegiance to William III and all this stuff. I'm not gonna get into that. Um, but so there's Campbells involved. So they, they are put up for a few days. The, the McDonald's of Glencoe host them hospitably. They show them the true Highland hospitality. And then they get the signal. They rise up in the middle of the night and just start killing people. Okay, but let's go from here. So a lot of the Campbells flee out of, the, out of Glencoe. Many of them, it's, it's in a, my understanding is it's the wintertime. And so a lot of them died of exposure that didn't die of actual weapons. But the ones who survive flee out of Glencoe, up over a little pass, and down into another valley where they take shelter amongst whom? None other than a bunch of Campbells. So, yeah, yeah. The Campbells did some despicable stuff. But you want to know what? If we want to go down a list of despicable stuff committed by Highlanders, and even acting as clans and clan warfare, the Campbells would not be alone on that list. I'm just here to tell you, 
they wouldn't be alone on that list. You want to know something else? The McDonald's during the Wars of the Three Kingdoms, I was just reading about this earlier today. Alistair McCullough, uh, or sometimes anglicized as Alexander McCull McDonald or something like that. Anyway, he was from Colonsey, the Isle of Colonsey, a Campbell or a, a McDonald stronghold. He spent a good deal of his life in Ireland. He joins the cause of of Charles, King Charles, and the Duke of Montrose, who was a Graham. Going back, referencing back earlier to that re, uh, request to do something on the Grams. He joins in on the Duke of Montrose's side, but really there is a lot of evidence that he's just out to get some of the territory back from the Campbells and pay Campbells back. I'm just here to tell you that he laid waste to some Cam some Campbell territory. And I'm not just talking about going after the Campbell leadership, the people who are in charge of all this. He rode through Campbell territory and burned houses. I'm sure that either he or his troops killed innocent people, there, there was some massive destruction done at his hands. And so do I point that out so we can stir up hate against the McDonald's? No, I'm just saying that the Campbells were not the only ones in the history of Scotland who did mean things to people around them. Am I saying that in, in saying that, am I, am I claiming that the Campbells were less mean? No, I'm not. I'm just saying, look, let's just not single out people and hate them. Let's just let's just study the history, and let's let's just dig into the colorful people. Look, that's history. A lot of that's a lot of what people think is what do, what do they make history uh, movies out of when they do historical movies or novels? There a lot of time they they come out of conflict, because in the midst of all the awful things that we do to people, that we do to each other as humans in the history of humankind, man, we do awful things to each other, don't we? Just despicable the things we do to each other. Um, but then out of those instances, you have these moments of gallant, uh, uh, gallantry and valor and the supreme expression of love. We see this coming out of these stories. And maybe that's why we're drawn to learn about conflict is because we see these deeds of valor and things that make your heart burn inside of you and they stir your blood. Sometimes they even bring a tear to your eye as we read these these stories. So any, and anyway, they're just exciting one way or the other. So anyway, just a little thoughts on that. Okay, let's get to a reading list. Um, I just want to add some of those thoughts on the previous. So reading list, start off. Here's one that I'm reading right now. Warlords and Holy Men, Scotland, 80, like as an Anno Domini, 80 to 1000, the year 1000 by Alfred Smith. This would be a good one if you want to get a, a foundation underneath you for where many of the clans are coming from. So the, so if you're from a Norman clan, like the Roses, then you're, this is not about your ancestry. I mean, it, it probably is because who did these Normans marry when they came into Scotland? In many cases, they married into local, powerful, aristocratic families or kindreds or clans and established their own legitimacy as they were handed these titles and control of certain areas by the Scottish kings. So just because you have a Norman surname and come from a Norman-founded clan does not mean that you are not descended from the earlier inhabitants of Scotland. There just weren't that many Normans coming into Scotland to only marry other Normans. So there you go. So, so this, this book, Warlords and Holy Men, talking about the years 80 to 1000 AD, 
that that's a good I'm learning a lot about the Picts right now I think it's fascinating and how these different di dynasties that controlled the kingdom of the kingship of the Picts and how they inter interacted with the the ruling kindreds of, the, of Dalrieta and the Strathclyde Britons all this stuff and I'm reading some stuff and there's really interesting on that and, and answering another one of my questions as we go back into Scottish history so we know that the Dalriada Scots, the Gaelic-speaking Scots, brought with them from their cultural heritage a, a kin-based society, a, a tribal society. What about the Strathclyde Britons and what about the Picts? I'm actually finding some stuff in there that's pretty relevant and that the, the Picts, yes, indeed, they were coming out of tribes. That we just don't have many of those, or, or any really, of those the names of those tribes as surviving into the modern or, or historical era, era as surnames. Okay, that's what we don't have. Anyways, some things that are getting from that book. Warriors of the Word by Michael Newton. And I've, I've talked about that one, if you, especially if you go back to the structure of a clan. I, I go into his work quite a bit. And just for my notes, I put a scholarly work on the history of the Highland Gales from their perspective. And if I'm not mistaken, Michael Newton is a a gale as in somebody who speaks gallic and once sometime in the future of from now and i get my technology set up right and i start having guests on i would love to reach out for him and have a guest have him as a guest on this podcast alex wolf uh his book from pictland to alaba if you once again going back to the the, you should, the reason you should read that is the same reason you should read warlords and holy men it is a really interesting Talk about the foundation of where do these clans, where are they coming out from? John Bannerman's book, Kinship, Church, and Culture, Collected Essays and Studies. A lot of scholarly information on the kin-based society of Scotland. That, And he does mention specific kin groups in there that are recognized today that some of you have the surnames of. He does get into some really interesting stuff on the kin-based society in there. George MacDonald Fraser's book, Steel Bonnets. We've done some stuff on the Border Reavers re recently, like the Kinmont Willie Armstrong and the Bold Bacluch, um, Bold, uh, Walter Scott of Bacluch, who does this daring raid. I actually drew a lot of my information from that episode in Scottish history from this book, Steel Bonnets. It seems to be the work on the Border Reavers of Scotland and that that specific part the region of scotland and that specific time period that's and and it's just so i i really enjoy reading it there's so much in there that does not make it onto the pages of wikipedia or the these scottish clans uh, web pages that that look i'm not trying i'm not downplaying anybody but they're the clan histories that you find on these web pages are very brief, and and I, I really don't think that they're meant to be exhaustive, scholarly, dive into them deep stuff. They are what they're probably meant to be, but a lot of these these details from these stories or the stories themselves do not make it onto these web pages. So I really recommend going into Steel Bonnets. Oliver Thompson's book, The Great Feud. I've pulled a lot of my information on the interaction between the Campbells and the McDonalds from that book. Um, Sir Robert of Sir Robert Gordon of Gordonston, Baronet, his A Genealogical History of the Earldom of Sutherland. Here's why this is so important for you to read. Because it was written in the 1600s. 
so if you go to where the Gordons are from, see, later in the 1600s, after King James VI has become King James I of England, inherited that throne. That's kind of your, I wouldn't, I don't know that if I could say that the Border Reavers died that moment, like that, that episode of history and of Scottish history, but it was, it, that was the beginning of the end for that because it's now you're, it's not a border and just, we really don't see a lot of that Border Reaver activity after that union of the crowns there in, in the form of James. But if you go farther north into Scotland and you're getting, so the Gordons were a, they were lowland magnates, lowland lords, but they had extensive dealing in the Highlands. And this is all at a time where the Highland clans were still very much swinging away at it. And by, by swinging away, I don't mean necessarily weapons. I just mean like when we think of Highland clans, we think about that, that image in our head is, is good for only so long in history, but the 1600s were definitely that part of history. And so this work that was written by Sir Robert Gordon of Gordonstoun, that is that's a contemporary record of a lot of things that are going on. Now he talks a lot about a lot of clan histories and foundations and origins that are way before his time, but he does talk about stuff that right out of the, his own people's history in the not so distant past. And anyway, so I, I think that's, and in a lot of the stuff that you'll notice you read where they actually cite it, a lot of people cite this work. So I just re recommend going back into that. Also, another reason why I think that is a valuable work is because like I've mentioned in previous podcasts, there is a bias toward the Western Highlands and Isles in the history of the clans and his work deals more with people from north of Inverness up into you know the the regions of Sutherland and Caithness and those really far north parts of Scotland that don't get hit on so much by other works so I think that's valuable I'm going to also just the, the last the next two works I have not read these a lot but I just see them quoted over and over and over again, and I think that they should be on a reading list. So you have William F. Skeen's book, The Highlanders of Scotland, and Donald Gregory's History of the Western Highlands and Islands of Scotland. You, you, I really think you ought to go into that and look at, look at those two books just for how much they're quoted by other works. And the last book that I'm going to recommend for this is George Way and Romilly Squire's book, The Collins Scottish Clan and Family Encyclopedia. Now, if you want to know what I think about that book, and then go back into the the two episodes, the sources and the problem with sources. Now, George Way and Romilly Squire have way, way, way more credentials than I will, I will probably ever have in my life. Okay, so I'm not. I don't. I don't feel like if like they are in this room right now. I don't think that I would be in a position to criticize their work, and, and they do give. A bibliography, but it's not cited in the way that a a modern a scholarly work would be. And there's some they give in the beginning of that book they give a cultural context, and they start talking about a lot of Scottish clan stuff like duchus, the concept of territory and what all goes into that word. They talk about the the Wessel and the that how a, a Scottish clan was. All these things are specific to Highland culture, Gallic culture. Uh, 
So are we, do, what, do the border reavers have some sort of concept of duchas? How are the gentry, or the, is the Dina Wessel, uh, a, is that a solid template to, to an overlay that you can put over other regions of Scotland that were not Gallic? All those are questions that I have when I'm reading this book. So they give that context, and then you go read the history of the Armstrongs. Does, does any of that context from the beginning of the book apply? I don't know. And so-and-so becomes head of the kindred. and I, Anyway, there's a lot of questions I have there. But So once again, same with the previous two books I mentioned. I think every single Wikipedia article on a Scottish clan has this somewhere in the references, every single one. And quite a lot of other works use this as their as as a as as one of their sources. So I, I just think if you really want to study Scottish clans, you just you got I when I started getting into my master's thesis, I just came to the conclusion that I just gotta suck it up and buy this book. I have to. All right. So Continuing on, that's all the books that I have, and I can think of one other book that I'm going to add to this list. So this is a running list, and it will be revisited and edited and updated on the Scottish Clans Facebook page. Another, there's there's a couple of papers I want to mention. One is Martin D. W. McGregor's. You've heard me talk about Professor McGregor before on this podcast. His PhD thesis, which is titled "A Political History of the McGregors Before 1571," that one would be I look he if you're not if you're not into reading scholarly stuff like actual academic work this this might not this be might be a little bit much for you but if you're if you're at that point where you're ready to take your your self-education of this subject to another level that is I think a great thing to read um, it's his problem is, as he lays out in the beginning of it, is when you learn about McGregor history, they just drop you into the part of McGregor. Well, they talk about Gregor the Golden Bridles and some origin stuff, but then they skip several hundred years and go straight to the McGregors or a troublesome clan, and they were outlawed, and they were called the Children of Mist because they lived in the mountains, and they lived off of raiding, and they were just... Anyway, that's that's they skip everything in between. He's, so he's asking the question, so how'd that ever come about? How do we see them go from here to there, and what goes into that? So it, it's a really interesting work. The next one is Master James Fraser's work, The Chronicles of the Frasers, the Wardlaw Manuscript. And it's not the reason I'm including it here is not just about the Frasers. There's information about all their neighboring clans around the Frasers. The Frasers were a clan who were headquartered in the vicinity, the west of Inverness, north of, I would say, well, I think they had territory south of, of Loch Ness, but I believe they're a north of Loch Ness clan. Anyway, without getting too bogged down in where exactly their whole territory was, they're, they're a, an Inverness region clan. And there's, that Wardlaw manuscript goes into a lot of other stuff. A lot of, and as they interact with the clans around, there's a lot of cool stories in there, so I recommend that. And that's all I've got to say on that. So I'll post all that reading list on the Facebook page. I do want to make a note on the, the, the roses. So when I do work on this, when I do an episode on a clan in this podcast, I'm not just trying to recite the clan history because you can just look up a Wikipedia article. And then if you want to dive deeper, go down into sources, which there are usually sources listed. And I actually tried that as I had this request. And so I go into 
the um, I, I went into the Wikipedia page and just okay let's just get an overview of the roses and now let's go down the sources and see if we can dive in this a little deeper and it took me to the rose what was it is it the let me go and try to find it now it's it's a rose an official clan rose web page but let me let me um, actually look up the I'll give you the exact details on the web page of where I'm getting this from but it wasn't it wasn't uh, they just they just didn't have that much information on it I didn't think think it was a really good source so in contrast to the clan Campbell Society of North America which is probably the best clan website I've ever seen in contrast to this this was not terribly helpful there is it was a really short like it's it's on the same level history wise as a lot of those other and I'm not going to go and mention them specifically it's the clan rose society of America they don't designate North America um, Canada versus US and all that stuff the the rose history is not I mean it's a, just a few paragraphs long and I haven't looked at all the other this at the bottom of the Wikipedia page you have clan rose of Canada clan rose at electric Scotland and clan rose at Scott clans probably electric Scotland is one of the ones that have the most information that I found in there but uh, there's just yeah there's yeah the, the can the Canada one is not this page is not awesome leads that leaves a lot to be desired anyway so what did I find that was that was actually very helpful there was a source on the history of Murrayshire which I'll include a link to that I on the archive web page where you can download PDFs and that's where I get a lot of this stuff from I'll give a link to that in the show notes for this but that's where I got a better history of it and I and I think so without just reciting the clan yes they were a Norman clan Hugh de Rose that came from Normandy near near Kine Kane Normandy I don't really know how to pronounce it and I even studied French in high school a little bit but and a little bit in college anyway they the the, the place they come from is near that town they were closely associated with the Bissets and the who who else would they go up and settle up in that and the Boscos so the Bissets they they could probably justify a whole episode on them so the the Rose family as a Norman family that comes up into the Inverness area they marry in with some local folks and and without just going in and just re reading the Wikipedia article here's something that stands out and and this stood out to me in the request to do this clan the roses have they claim to have the longest continual succession of father to son father to son father to son as the heads of the kindred and as their their territorial claim longer than any other clan now I have not gone through every other kindred in Scotland that it, that still exists and substantiated that but they claim to now here's something that's interesting about clan Rose that that allowed them to even be in the running for that let's let's say it's not even true but they're like the second or third still that's huge that's a big deal but let's say they're the first let's say that 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 claim is anywhere close to correct 
One thing about this clan that you got to know is that they were very good at navigating the political complexities and turmoils that characterize Scottish history. What am I talking about specifically? Well, you got different sides coming up through the Reformation, the 1500s, and the Protestant versus Catholic deal was a huge one in Scotland. And, and they, they remain neutral and navigate that. I don't, I'm not telling you that they never joined a side. And I'd have to join down through there. But I remember reading this history of Morishur that would link, as I said, to follow in the show notes. I, uh, I, read, I read through that and they were, that's where I'm getting my information for that. All right, sorry, I had a, I had a little uh, something I need to take care of there. So, so in the history of Morishur, they're, they're talking about how they, th that was my overall impression of the roses is how well they navigated those political complexities. Let me fast forward to something that it mentions in there that the, so they, the, the, the roses were the roses of Kilrock. And, and if you read it, it looks like Kilravik if you don't, if you're not from that area, you don't have never heard a native pronounce it. But they, the, the Laird of Kilrock was visited, actually had as his personal audience, Bonnie Prince Charlie. So we're talking about the mid 1700s now. And he had done well. And they, they had a meal and they walk out onto the, the grounds and they have people planting flowers, a very peaceful, very, very calm setting. And the, the chief of the roses was, as he's entertaining Bonnie Prince Charlie, he, they say, he said, well, um, you know, he's very proud of the fact that he had, this is a very peaceful setting. And Bonnie Prince Charlie made some kind of a quip to him, like, yeah, it must be nice to be at such, such peace when the rest of the country is in the state it is. Something like, that's not an exact quote, but just kind of made a dig at him, like, yeah, I'm, I bet it's nice to just sit here and be peaceful while your country is in this situation. Kind of saying, yeah, you really should pick a side and it should be mine instead of just sitting and staying out of it. But guess what? That's how they had the success they had as a kindred is they didn't become um, bogged down to the extreme that some other kindreds did. And you know, in some cases it, they came out on top and prospered significantly, but in other cases they lost huge. So anyway, that's something that's, that you should know about the roses. They're claimed that continuity of succession and, and the why that was enabled is because they were able to maintain that position. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up now. I, I hope you've enjoyed this, this podcast. Sorry, Clan Rose, if you're wanting more than that, but I, I really had a hard time finding large works of history. So maybe, maybe you can message me and if you give me a link that I can post for the listeners where they could go for more information on this, I will share it on the, on the Scottish Clan's Facebook page. But I wasn't able to find a ton of information. The... the, the, the Clan websites didn't include a lot of information, and and I, there wasn't, and that's all that was in the notes for the Wikipedia page. Um, once again, I'll I'll post a link to that history of Morishire, which had a lot more information, but still, even that did not have a ton. So I'm gonna leave you with that. I've got to go do some other stuff. Um, thanks for joining me today. I look forward to hearing your feedback from this episode, and until next time, I hope you have a great time. Bye.